Welcome to the Walking on Eggshells with Dr. Tolu podcast. This is the podcast that helps parents and especially those caring for a child with a chronic health condition to balance supporting your child's mental health with maintaining your own emotional health. Hello there, this is Dr. Tolu Alugo. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist and founder of St. John Cap where I help youth mental health by providing education to parents, teachers, and caregivers. I'm also the host of the Walking on Eggshells with Dr. Tolu podcast. Today, I'm going to be discussing a very important topic with my colleague and friend, Dr. Fulusho Ademola. She's a child and adolescent psychiatrist, and I've known her for many decades. In fact, we went to medical school together. So I want you to join me to welcome Dr. Ademola to this podium today. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. I want you to introduce yourself. Tell us whatever you want to share about yourself today, and then we'll kick off the discussion. Thank you very much, uh, Tolu. I'm very happy to be here, and uh, well done on the great work you're doing. Um, like you introduced me, I'm Fulusho Adimola. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist, and I've been practicing medicine for over 20 years. Also, I'm a clinical assistant professor at the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Calgary. I practice um, outpatient work and inpatient practice, helping children and families with mental health disorders uh, supporting their recovery, supporting schools, and supporting other advocates for mental health in the community. I'm also a parent, so I'm very experienced with children that way. I have two grown teenagers, and uh, that's exciting. In my free time, I do like to cook. I like watching Netflix. I into photography as well. Um, so eating disorders is a special interest of mine, and I'm very delighted to be here. Thank you, Tolu. Thank you so much, Felicia. It's a delight to talk to you today, and I can attest to the fact that she's a great cook. So let's now bring that to talking about eating disorders. I mean, what are eating disorders? Okay. So eating disorders are um, very serious mental health conditions. Um, that actually manifest with abnormal eating behaviors. Um, individuals that are involved have an abnormal or what we call an unhealthy relationship uh, with food and their body image. So, I mean, I think in, in, um, in popular media, people talk about anorexia, anorexia, but I believe that there's more to eating disorders than just anorexia. So what are the types of eating disorders that we should be aware of? So um, there are many types of eating disorders. Um, there are at least six um, definite categories uh, recognized within our diagnostic manual that we use in psychiatry. Uh, the uh, top ones, or I'll say the most popular one people hear of would be anorexia nervosa, which is uh, includes restriction uh, despite having a low body weight or, you know, continue to lose weight and believing that one is overweight when one is not. So anorexia nervosa is a very uh, 
popular one uh, in the media. Another one um, in our diagnostic manual will be bulimia nervosa. Bulimia nervosa um, has to do with, um, you know, someone who eats excessively out of control, big binges, and then feels guilty out afterwards and wants to compensate for overeating by either purging or overexercising. And some of those people may have a normal weight or maybe slightly overweight. Uh, the third main one will be uh, binge eating disorder. Binge eating disorder, believe it or not, is the most common of all eating disorders. But, you know, anorexia is the most popular. Let's put it that way. So mm -hmm. binge eating disorder is uh, uh, most commonly found in people that are overweight. If you, you know, take a history, many people who are actually obese or overweight may have uh, actually uh binge eating disorder. There are less common eating disorders like uh, pica uh, or uh, something called avoided food restrictive intake disorder. Uh, there's rumination disorder. Those are less common uh, eating disorders. Okay. So you've mentioned, I mean, anorexia, you've mentioned bulimia, and you mentioned with anorexia that people, that people feel that they are overweight. So it looks like body image or perception of being of a particular weight is so important to eating disorders. Would you agree? Yes, indeed. So if we look at how uh, eating disorders actually emerge, um, for anorexia in particular, the typical age of onset is around puberty. It is more common in females. And, you know, during puberty, the body is changing. And many uh, females that fall into um, developing an eating disorder feel um, discontent about their body shape, about their body weight, about their size. And their body is also changing in ways that are, you know, very confusing for them. And that body dissatisfaction then starts to kind of drive them to want to fix it either, you know, by restricting intake and thinking maybe when I lose weight, I will look better or I will feel better about myself or people will like me and things like that. So yeah, body dissatisfaction is a strong uh, factor um, in uh, development of anorexia nervosa and people that are vulnerable. So you've mentioned you know, puberty being a vulnerable time, but yes. are there any other causes that we know of or any other things that increase the risk of a child or adolescent developing an eating disorder? Well, um, in, the, in the research, there are multiple uh, factors that can contribute to an eating disorder. The strongest factor is actually genetic. Um, the research has shown that if you have a sibling or a parent who struggles with an eating disorder, regardless of the type, remember there are many types, uh, there is a vulnerability in an individual to develop an eating disorder based on um, family history. Mm -hmm. Other factors will be environmental and uh, maybe life experiences. For example, like I said, during those teenage years, some kids are exposed to bullying and uh, people picking on them for their body weight and shape. And sometimes that leads to development of low self-esteem and they want to fix it and, and stuff like that. So that could also make them vulnerable. 
Some personality types are actually also more vulnerable uh, to developing an eating disorder. For example, people that are perfectionists, you know, they want to be a particular weight, a particular shape, look a certain way. So perfectionism is actually a risk factor. Other risk factors will be like impulsivity, like people that are impulsive tend to develop more like the binge eating or the uh, bulimia nervosa type because they impulsively binge, as an example, or um, people that don't know how to manage their emotions well uh, tend to be more vulnerable to an eating disorder because they sometimes negatively use eating as a way to cope with their emotions. So those are some personality factors. Uh, home environment in terms of, uh, you know, the culture uh, within the home around uh, body shape, body weight, eating, uh, one needs to be, you know, sensitive to that because sometimes um, that could also create a vulnerability in a child. Um, so, yeah, those are some factors um, that uh, I think we should highlight. Well, you mentioned that it's common in, in girls, but yes. I, I mean, we do see it in boys as well. But are, um, are there any particular, for example, some activities or interests that kids may be involved in that may increase the risk of mm -hmm. developing an eating disorder or have, or have they been linked to an eating disorder in any way? Yeah. So that's a very good point. Um, and in fact, it's backed by research. So uh, some uh, professions or some activities have certainly been linked with eating disorders. Uh, you know, an example would be, you know, dancing. Uh, you know, we hear ballet dance in the past and uh, things like sports like gymnastics. Even wrestlers that want to stay in a certain uh, weight category, mm. they sometimes can develop an eating disorder. Uh, models and uh, actors, people that want to maintain a, um, you know, a particular look, shape and size because of their profession are more prone to developing those eating disorders. So it does uh, cut across, you know, um, even though more common in, um, you know, females in general, cuts across all genders, all age groups, all races and ethnicities, and all socioeconomic class. So no one is uh, immune to, to, to an eating disorder. Great. It's good to really highlight that, you know, that it, this, is, this is a disorder that affects everybody. And, you know, for, for those parents who may be listening and their kids want to get into dance or into wrestling, that those are great activities. It's just, just raising awareness of things to watch out for, of things to be mindful about, because, you know, education is half the battle when it comes to mental health disorders. So, um, Dr. Demola, why are eating disorders dangerous? Why, why are we so concerned about them? Okay. So, yeah, eating disorders, um, you know, actually in the last, you know, uh, couple of years um, has been highlighted as the most deadly mental illness. And why? Why is that? It's because eating disorders... Uh, do have an impact on physical health and on mental health. On physical health in the sense that, you know, when the person is not taking enough calories in terms of their, their food and all that, um, obviously the body begins to shut down, the brain, uh, the heart, 
various body organs don't get enough calories, the bones start to thin and be brittle, uh, hair thinning, losing weight, tiredness, and all that. And it's extreme form, the physical complications from the eating disorder can actually lead to death, uh, both in anorexia and even binge eating and bulimia, all of them. Uh, can cause imbalances in the body that will cause physical complications that can lead to death. So that is one aspect of the concern. The other aspect is the impact on the mental health. So people that develop an eating disorder, many times they may not have this disorder in isolation. They may even have things like depression going on, anxiety, like social anxiety, um, they could also have substance abuse. Uh, they could have ADHD, multiple med, uh, you know, psychiatric comorbidities. And uh, if those are not treated as well, um, it takes them longer to recover. And one of the extreme complications of the mental health disorders, including anorexia, is suicide. So there could be death from physical complications or death uh, from suicide. So those are the extreme forms. But even just uh, the illness itself is quite um, severe, uh, if not addressed early. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned being, um, the issue of being addressed early because here at St. John Cap, we're very big about early intervention, early detection. So for parents listening or even teachers, what are the early warning signs of an eating disorder that could be picked up in a child or in a, in a, in a teenager, for example? So um, these uh, disorders actually thrive very much in secrecy. Many times the child likes to hide the behaviors. But the lovely thing is, as a parent, you are in the best position to start picking up those signs. So if there's a, you know, your child starts to make comments uh, about body shape, body weight in a way that is negative about themselves or about other people, fixating on those things. Um, and then maybe researching about diet and saying, oh, they want to go on a diet so they want to be fit. It can be a good thing, but try and pick up when it's becoming a little excessive. They might say they want to go on a diet, they want to uh, lose weight, they want to keep exercising. Um, they skip meals you know, and they say, oh, I've already eaten, or they don't want to eat at family time. Um, maybe they don't pack lunch for school, or if they pack lunch, they don't eat it, and things like that. And then if you start to notice uh, weight loss, um, so any kind of change in uh, the, the child's attitude towards eating, towards their body, and even in terms of their behavior around the family, you need to be... Um, aware of that and pick up on those cues. And even teachers may be able to notice that the child is losing weight. Uh, and sometimes they bring it to the attention of the parents or the child is not eating with others during lunch and things like that. So those are some of the signs. And also to say, you know, in, in mental health, we always say when something is a disorder, it's beginning to affect functioning. So yeah. you might see some disordered eating, which is like, you know, you know, really unusual, unhealthy ways of eating. But yeah. the kid, your child may still look like they're functioning well. So yeah. things like they're eating with a teaspoon, they want to eat with a saucer, eating very small portions, cutting out particular food groups. 
but yet they're really not losing weight yet. Then it doesn't seem excessive, but we're beginning to see those unhealthy habits and we can pick up on those quite early. Um, so I'm wondering when when we do pick them up early, is there a way to prevent progression to a full-blown disorder? Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yes, the short answer is yes. Uh, there are ways to prevent them from becoming full-blown. So the first step is being aware. You notice something that's different about your child and you should lovingly and gently have that discussion with your child. Uh, it could be that, you know, they're going on a diet or they're exercising excessively or cutting out certain foods and say, I don't want to eat fries no more. or I don't want to eat fast food. And they used to love fast food. <laughs> you know, um, you can just, you know, have a conversation and ask why they don't want to do that or what's going on. Find out if there's anything kind of stressing them out at school, if there are issues with their friendships. Just try and see behind what's going on for your child because sometimes the eating disorder is a symptom of other struggles behind the scene for your child they may be struggling with their social relationships at school sometimes they're struggling with their academics sometimes it's because maybe the family um, is going through some difficulties maybe there's marital issues in the home or there's very severe sibling rivalry uh, that the child um, is trying to resolve through taking some control of their weight. Um, so just kind of being aware, um, having those conversations, bringing out, you know, the, the concern in the open and generally not stigmatizing the child's weight will help. Just say you're concerned for their health. Food is important. Um, I would like you to really sit down with us at family meals. Uh, let's eat regularly together and things like that. So some just kind of establishing some boundaries and routine around meal times and being important for the physical and mental health. Wow, those are great, great tips. Thank you very much. So when a child now then progresses to a full-blown disorder or gets referred to you and I, what how how are they treated what is the usual pathway what are the treatment options for this um, for these children okay so um if um an individual is suspected to have an eating disorder and they get referred uh the first step is an assessment so uh, for me as a psychiatrist uh, i do a full assessment um and i try and establish if the person has an actual eating disorder and what type, um, and then um, a treatment plan. I'm going to get you to repeat that again. I think we kind of got we got the, the connection wavered a little bit. So would you mind starting from how you do your assessment again, please? Okay, that, that's fine. So um, when a child is referred to me uh, with concerns of an eating disorder, the first step is a thorough assessment. The assessment will involve talking to the child, talking to the parents, and sometimes even talking to the school uh, to get uh, information about how the child functions. If I conclude the child has an eating disorder, there is a multidisciplinary approach to the treatment because there are different aspects of the eating disorder that has to be addressed, okay? 
The treatment is usually based uh, on the individual in terms of what's going on for them. So it's the case by case uh, treatment plan. And also it depends on the type of eating disorder. Regardless, one of the things that needs to be prioritized is the physical status of the individual. So making sure that the person gets physical or medical treatment through their family physician or pediatrician, in which case they will make sure that um, there are no uh, abnormalities physically and doing blood tests, maybe some heart tests, some you know bone density tests and things like that. So the physical status is the is the most important to start treatment. Um, and the family doctor will continue to monitor the weight and things like that. In terms of the physical status as well, uh, another person who will be involved is a dietitian. So the dietitian will be able to give advice on appropriate intake for the young person. Um, either, you know, whichever eating disorder is going on, the dietitian can make meal plans and guide the young person, guide the family about what will be appropriate to um, help the recovery of that young person. Okay. And then apart from the physical, then the psychological aspect of the treatment will involve a counselor or someone who does talk therapy. The talk therapy can be with a young person. And in particular for anorexia, we involve the family. So there is a treatment called family-based treatment that we use for anorexia. And literally, it's like the therapist sits with the parent and the child, and then they bring food into the session. <laughs> and, the, you know, the therapist literally coaches um, the, the parents on how they can help uh, the child feed themselves again. So there is individual therapy, family-based treatments, and also the psychiatrists also monitors mental state of the child for any other conditions like depression, anxiety, OCD, and things like that. And if needed, the child is prescribed medication uh, for their condition. Um, for the depression or even OCD and things like that. So there's a multi-pronged approach to treatment depending on the child's needs and depending on the type of eating disorder and the stage. Because some people, when they're severe, they end up in hospital. So Great. Thank you yeah. so, so much. So if you're a parent, you're listening to this and you're wondering about your child, you're worried, you know, reach out to your family physician reach out to your child's pediatrician, get help early because early intervention makes a huge difference. And like Dr. Demola has said, it's a multidisciplinary approach. There's so many professionals that need to work together as a team to make, you know, to help your child. So before I let you go, do you have any final words of advice to parents who have concerns about their child's eating habits or eating or body image difficulties, for example? Thank you, Dr. Alugo. So, yeah, for parents out there who uh, may have, you know, concerns about their, their child, I think one thing you should know as a parent is, like, you are the best person to help your child. Like, you are the specialist in helping your child. And if you pick, you know, any signs about, you know, their eating habits, 
do not uh, shy away from confronting it early uh, because the longer it goes on, then it develops into a habit and then it's harder to change. So if you are concerned, talk to your child, support, listen, and uh, get help early. Those are the main things. And even in the home front, there are some things that if you are doing as a parent, it actually, uh, I would say they are protective for uh, not developing an eating disorder or trying to resolve any subtly emerging eating issues. Making sure as a family, you have a good routine around mealtimes and, uh, you know, even the, uh, the manner in which one talks about body image and body shape. Uh, one should uh, be mindful about that because children do internalize that. It could be even the way you talk about yourself as a parent, like saying, oh, I'm fat. And then the child sees that as a bad thing. And maybe you're saying it in a very negative way. And then they don't want to be like that and things like that. So we have to be mindful about our conversations, uh, mindful about how we structure mealtimes at home and um, just generally listening and supporting the young person. And if we are really concerned, we should get help early. It's better to get help. And, you know, the doctor says, oh, everything is okay. But then the conversation will have started with a professional. And sometimes that's all the child needs to change. That you're taking things very seriously. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so, so much. Those are such great tips. Thank you so much, Dr. Ndimala, for joining us today. And for you who's listening to this program, remember um, the St. John Cap is on YouTube. Please like, share, subscribe. Also on Instagram. Please listen to the podcast, Walking on Eggshells with Dr. Tolu, on every platform where podcasts are available. Share within your networks. And, um, you know, there's so many different topics that are available already on the podcast, on YouTube. Just go and watch them, be informed, and go to your healthcare professional if there's any particular topic that resonates with you and you want further information, clarity, or you just want to get your child you know, looked at. Like Dr. Demola said, it's better to have your doctor see there's nothing wrong or nothing to be worried about than to let things linger and then progress. So thank you, Dr. Demola, once again. And um, I would love to have you back again to discuss more and more topics about youth mental health. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dr. Aluga. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Looking forward to having you join me on the next episode. Till then, don't forget to share this with your friends and neighbors and to follow me on Facebook, Facebook Instagram, and YouTube, where I am known as St. John Cap. That is St. John Cap with a double P. See you soon.